Welcome to the AMC Stock Story Podcast. I'm your host, Russell Corey, and this is not financial advice, and I am not a financial advisor. This is solely for entertainment purposes, as I talk about my experiences of investing in AMC stock and becoming an AMC ape. Episode 28, The Three Signs of the Moass. There's a thing called a false sense of control. And I think it can be best be illustrated um, by using the example of, like, say, you and your friend are watching a basketball game. And you watch the first half, half of the game. Say it's college hoops. And your team is winning. The other team's losing. You're watching the game sitting in a lazy boy. Your friend is watching it on the sofa. Half time, you go get something to eat. And when you come back, you know, your friend is in the chair and you're lying on the sofa watching the game. And it's like a completely different game. Team's doing lousy. And they start losing. Bad. And and uh, you and your friend finally realize what it is. You're in the wrong chairs. You know, he, he was watching from the sofa and you were you were in the chair. Okay, great. Okay, so you switch. You know, team calls a timeout and during the timeout you figure this out, okay? So you switch too, right? Coming out of the timeout, all of a sudden, your team playing much better. And pretty soon they're winning again. And they go on to win the game. And you, you realize that you... You know, the other, your, your team, they don't know how lucky they are that you helped save them, that you realized, you know, you were sitting in the, the wrong place, you fixed it, and they won. One time I'd love to see a coach who's lost a game, and they say, Coach, you know, what, what went wrong? What do you think went wrong up there? And he'd say, you know, we were playing well, you know. But at halftime, Mike and Steve, you know, they switched where they were sitting, and uh, it cost us the game. Why they had to switch, I don't know. You, ha- you have to ask them that. But we did our job. It was Mike and Steve. If they had just kept sitting where they should have been sitting, we probably could have won this game. Yeah, you'll never see that. But it's a false sense of control that, that you help do that. And I, I get that feeling sometimes when I watch the ticker. I'm watching it. And if I stop watching it, it's going to go bad. <laughs> or it could be the other way, like, hey, when I'm not watching it, it does good, and when I start watching it, it does bad. But you think you're watching it is having an impact on it, and it doesn't. The ticker's going to do what the ticker's going to do, whether you're watching it or you're not watching it. It's a false sense of control. You know, some people have lucky shirts, lucky this, lucky that. Um... And who knows if they're really that lucky. So I'm going to talk about the three signs of the MOAS. And when I say this, believe me when I say I am not a financial advisor and this is not financial advice. This is a fun, this is a fun podcast, okay? I think it's fun. We'll see after this week how much fun it is. Um, take this with a grain of salt, Okay. <laughs> All right, please, please take it with a grain of salt. But I want to do this podcast. I always keep it real. I've said that 
told you I traded some of my AMC, converted some of my AMC into some some GME, some GameStop, just to diversify it a little bit. Mostly probably because I was bored. Anyway, but I was honest. I, I didn't have to say that. You know, I could have kept it quiet. Um, but I wanted to be honest about it and upfront. So I'm going to tell you about these signs that I witnessed. And whether they're signs or not, I don't know. Could just be coincidences. And they might be. All right. So I've explained this, this, the theory of false sense of control, so you don't think I'm a wackadoo. Um, these could very easily just be coincidences, and I'm reading too much into them. But I've, hopefully I've set that up. And let me set this up, too. You know, I, like I said, I've, I'm a big Lou versus Wall Street fan, and I watch his videos. And, and Lou was very big on telling us about Mondays and, and, and Fridays, Fridays and Mondays. And I wasn't exactly sure what that meant when he first started talking about it. Basically, all he meant is, you know, if the stock finishes Friday strong, right? Like we finished above 40 on Friday. So all those calls, all the people's bets that they made, those got to be honored. You know, they have to buy those shares. I guess for each call, it's like 100 shares they're going to have to buy. And they got to, you know, hedge those and buy that. So Monday they come in and they see what they got to buy, you know, to make good on these calls. And that's why you'll see Monday and Tuesday the stock should go up. Maybe theoretically that's what happened last week on Tuesday that they had to buy all these these calls. It's possible, I guess. But that's where Mondays and, and Fridays came from, from Lou. At first I didn't get it. And then as he, I, the podcast went on this week, it's like, oh, okay, now I see. Now I see what you mean. The other days don't matter as much. Um, because it means it matters where the, the stock finishes for the week, and it matters if the hedge funds or whoever buys the the uh, or the money makers, the market makers, if they um, they do they buy all the, the the shares needed for the call. Anyway, um, but Lou said this this week's going to be a test to see if they actually follow the rules, because <laughs> so far they haven't. Everybody knows the stock is being manipulated. It sure looks that way. They know about the dark pool abuse. Nobody's doing anything about it. What are what do new rules mean if nobody's following the rules that are there? So, you know, we always have dates we look forward to and nothing ever seems to happen on those dates. There's always rules being passed, but if nobody obeys the rules and nobody enforces those laws that are being broken, then what does it matter? So again, let's establish that. Everybody's excited for the week. We've had some green, you know, three like three green Fridays in a row, and we're all excited. And I am too. All I'm saying is that I don't want to put this podcast out there, get everybody stoked up, and then, you know, play that wah, wah, wah music. You know, it's Charlie Brown trying to kick the football, and Lucy's always pulling it away. You know, my brother talked about Linus in the pumpkin patch waiting for the great pumpkin. Great pumpkin never comes. Or maybe. Maybe the maybe the great pumpkin did come. Think about that. Maybe this time the great pumpkin's gonna come. Alright. So the three signs. I already did a podcast on the first sign, the dream. I had a dream Saturday night. 
that the MOAS happened, that the mother of all short squeezes finally happened. And I wasn't watching the ticker when it started, and I was like on break or something from work and the dream. And I looked at my phone, and the thing, the line was just shooting straight up. Literally like a rocket ship, just straight up, and the numbers were going crazy. And it's... You're trying to just understand, well, what is going on? Is this thing broken? Every once in a while, you know, I'll I'll be I'll be looking at another stock or I'll be looking at a a total of something and I'll forget and I, my phone will you know go to sleep and then I turn it on and when I turn it on instead of looking at you know thirty something dollars forty something dollars there'll be like this three figure amount you know in the hundreds or it's in the thousands and it takes me a second I think oh. It, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm looking at something else. I'm looking at the total of my account. Or I was looking at a different stock. And I or I was looking at sometimes I check on um on Bitcoin, you know, it's like forty nine thousand, right? Whatever Bitcoin's at. And I'll look at it like, oh my God, you know, and I oh yeah, that's just just Bitcoin. I I was looking at that. Um but I had this dream and it was it was really happening. And I felt the euphoria of the moment. You know, you wonder what's it going to feel like when this dream, you know, there's a, there's at first there's that sense of, is something wrong? Is this, is this real? Is this really happening? And then when it, you realize it is happening and it is legit, pure euphoria. As you watch the totals just tick, tick, tick up. We've all been there for the regular squeezes or most of us. You know, except this won't be for, you know, a $10 bump. It went, it went, it was crazy. And like when I could consciously see the numbers, and I think this was the account total, not necessarily the share total, but who knows? It was around $800,000. And I watched it go from $800,000 to $900,000. You're looking at those six, six digits, and it's amazing. And you're just like, you can't believe it. But then you think, well, it, it's close to a million. Could I get to a million? Come on, get to a million. Let's go. Get to a million. You know? <laughs> you remember Austin Powers? I think it's the third Austin Powers where it has the opening and, and Steven Spielberg's directing the Austin Powers movie. And, um, and like, you know, Austin Powers gives him advice. You know, and he's like, oh, wow, I'm so honored. Sir Steven Spielberg is doing my movie. This is so great. And he's like, but you know, maybe you could do a little of this and a little of that. And Spielberg holds up his, you know, two Oscars and says, uh, you know, me and my friends think it's just fine the way it is. Um, okay, well, speaking of fine, uh, AMC just opened in pre-market. It's 41.18, now 41.14. So we'll see what... If that's a sign, too, hopefully. <laughs> Pre-market would be a sign. It would actually be a real sign. Okay, so the first sign is the dream, and it was euphoric. It was awesome to ha be in this dream and to watch these totals, you know, in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was great. And um, and then, But they went down, too. Like, at one point, it started going the other way, and you had to make the decision, well, do I sell? What do I sell? And that was the confusing part of the dream because I felt like I had diversified my position, and um, I wasn't sure what to sell at first because I bought some GME shares. And I was, you know, there's, there's all these other stocks everyone's talking about right now, you know, BBIG, support. 
And I'm like, oh, do I do I invest in any of these? And I was trying to figure out what exactly was going to the moon and, you know, what should I sell? Because I didn't want to sell it all because then it's over. Then what, what if it goes up even more? So there was that sense of confusion. Um, and uh, after the dream, like, uh, something I talked, I, wa- I went, I worked through this with my wife again. What's our plan? And we started talking about scenarios, you know. what's it's, it's the end of the day. You know, we have about half an hour left of trading. And it's at this number. And it's a good number. It's at, it's at a level that we're happy with for at least part of our plan. Do we sell at that point? Or do you take a chance that the next day it's going to go up? Not everything. Not everything. But just for this, a small portion. You know, we talk through all that. Because if it's at the end of the day and you're just not sure, you can do it. Or if it's in the middle of the early in the day and it's rocketing and it's showing strength, you know, why wouldn't you, right? So there's that. That was the first sign was the dream. It was so vivid and so real that I raced down and I was still kind of half asleep. <laughs> still a little foggy, if you couldn't tell. And I I recorded what I could remember from the dream. And that was the podcast. Sign number one was the dream of the Moas. But in the morning, reality hit. You know, I work. I, I, um, I, I do Instacart right now. You know, because of COVID and kids not going to school. My, my son had to do remote school. My full-time job wasn't going to work out. I wasn't particularly happy with it. And I decided to, you know, do Instacart at night and on the weekends. And my wife was, you know, she just kept her full-time job. And that's how we have survived. So for me, on the weekends, I still work. I work, I could work seven days a week if I need to. The nice thing is I get to pick my hours. It's very flexible, okay? Um, And I enjoy going out and driving. It's pretty here in Oregon. And I I don't like to drive in the city. I don't like doing downtown Portland. Harder to park. More apartments. Just I just don't like going into downtown Portland. I live out in the suburbs. A lot of farmland. Very pretty. Driving around. Nice big houses. Which usually means good tips. But it's just really pretty. It's a nice way to spend your day driving around in the country. And I like it. Well, it was Sunday morning. And it was a beautiful day. And I guess somebody thought that was a good time to take out their Lamborghini for a spin. It was Lambo time. So I'm driving along, and all of a sudden up the road, I see this beautiful, beautiful orange Lamborghini. Not a Gallardo, like, you know, I was going to get. Not the the V10 Lamborghini, the entry Lamborghini. No, no, this was a real, this was the V12 Lamborghini. It wasn't the Countach. It was a newer one. Don't ask me which one it is. I don't, I don't keep up with them, but um, it was beautiful. Beautiful car, beautiful orange Lamborghini. I'm not a big fan of orange cars because to me, orange looks like a pumpkin. Ah, a pumpkin. Was this the great pumpkin giving me a sign? Maybe it was the great pumpkin giving me a sign that, um, it was the second sign was Lambo time. Lamborghini is a pretty rare car. Unless your next door neighbor has a Lamborghini or you live in a really rich neighborhood and you are used to seeing Lamborghinis all the time. If you live in a regular neighborhood, you know, middle class kind of area, how many times do you see a Lamborghini driving around? Usually not much. 
You don't see it every day. You don't see it every week. Probably don't even see it every month. Maybe once or twice a year. Well, today I saw one. And it was orange, like the great pumpkin. And I said, oh, that's a sign. I'm going to have to remember that. I'm going to do a podcast. I'll have to tell people I saw a Lamborghini today. Maybe it's a good sign for things to come this week. And I kept thinking about it as the day went on, about like, well, what would I say on the podcast about it? And um, one of the things I was going to say, and I was trying to work this out, was, you know, maybe do a podcast on what I would buy if it sold, you know, AMC went to the moon. What would I buy? What would things? And even though I've talked about wanting a Lamborghini my whole life, if this thing pops and I'm able to buy a sports car, it's not going to be a Lamborghini. It'll be the new Corvette, new convertible Corvette, C8. Because I think they're really cool looking. I love them. They're supposed to be great cars. Lots, tons of power. Beautiful, great design. Mid-engine design now, so it looks different from the Corvettes that came before it. You know, the Corvette... I remember, you know, when the 84 Corvette came out, actually came out in 83, but it was an 84 Corvette. And, you know, I was in love. I loved it. And I, my, that was when I was first getting into cars and my friends taught me about cars. And every time I'd see a Corvette, I'd have to take a picture, get my picture with it. And I love, I love the 84 Corvette, that styling. I think it's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful car. But since 1984, it's basically been the same car. Big, long hood. And, um, and that's it. They they do what they can with it. They chisel it here. It looks a little muscular here. Nah, they smooth it out this year. This, it's same same car, really. Well, this C8 was different. This mid-engine Corvette is different. And it looks badass. So, I was thinking about doing the podcast, telling everyone I was going to, you know, if this happens, I'm going to get a CA Corvette. And I'm saying this in my head. I'm practicing it as I'm driving out of the parking lot at Costco. And then I look up, and what's ahead of me? It's a CA Corvette. Now, a CA Corvette is, is probably a little more common than a Lamborghini. You're going to see them around. Not much, though. I still get excited when I see a CA Corvette. It's still fairly rare. They had a lot of product, product you know, because COVID hit. Um, they're popular, and COVID hit. And they had some parts shortages. So the market is not exactly flooded with um, C8 Corvettes right now. But I saw one in front of me. And I thought, well, there's another coincidence. Ah, but it gets better. It gets better. So the colors for the Corvette. You know, I don't know, eight, nine, ten colors. I don't know. That's one of the dilemmas I have. What color would I get? Not whether what car. I, it's going to be the Corvette. I don't know what color to pick. I don't know. I'm still going back and forth on several colors. But the least popular color was a color called, it was kind of a, a brownish metallic and um, you can see why that, you know, a brown Corvette isn't maybe the most exciting color. It just didn't look bad. It wasn't bad. But the name of the color, and it was the color of the Corvette that I saw in the Costco parking lot. 
with Zeus Bronze. Zeus Bronze. Zeus, if you don't know, is Greek god. He was the god of gods, father of the gods. That's who Zeus was. So if a god is going to send you a sign, it's pretty cool that it's from Zeus, right? And then the other part of that, bronze. If you win a bronze medal, what place did you come in? You came in third. And that was the third sign. The Zeus bronze Corvette. So there you go. Those were the three signs of the Moas. Take, take it for what you will. Could just be three coincidences. Things just happen. You know, I'm obsessed with AMC. Not surprising that I had a dream about it. Beautiful Sunday morning. Um, it's a, the, the areas that I deliver groceries in most of the time are fairly affluent. So sure, someone probably has a Lamborghini. And Sunday, great weather, beautiful time to take your car for a drive, right? Funny thing about Lamborghinis is they attract a lot of attention, right? People in traffic try to take pictures of them. People go crazy. People like me. You know, I get excited when I see it, right? Well, if you want to take your car out and you don't want a ton of attention, everyone taking pictures or not driving, even driving, not driving safely around you. You know, that's the thing. Other than some owners have posted videos. They say, you know, people are driving crazy, trying to race you. So you want to take it out for a nice, peaceful drive. Sunday morning is probably a really good time to take your car out. Most people are still sleeping and um, you can get, get your car out. Not a lot of traffic. You can enjoy it a little more, so... And then, you know, hey, you know, you saw a Corvette, big deal. They can all be fairly easily explained. But if we have a good week, then I'll always remember the three signs. And I'll tell you this story. Um, and maybe I should have told this at the beginning, but I'll tell it to you now. So when I lived in uh, Burbank, California, um, I had this... Uh, when I first moved to California, I had roommates, and finally I moved out on my own, and it was expensive, so I just had this cheap little studio apartment, and it was basically kind of, a place that looked like a hotel, really. It was really like a hotel room, kind of, and um, one night, I had these neighbors. This this guy lived next to me, and he came home with a couple of friends, and they just started playing loud music. Okay, fine, great, but this, this went on until like, you know, two in the morning, and we're all right next to each other, you know. And this guy's just blasting this music. And finally, I go over there and knock. And I'm like, hey, come on, turn it down. Turn, it. You know, I had to be that guy. I had to be the neighbor. You bang on the walls. Or you bang on the wall to say, you know, knock it off. Nope, nope. I just kept playing it, kept blasting it. And it was rather unfortunate. It escalated a little bit. There was no physical fighting or anything. But it, it was pretty ugly. And the apartment wouldn't do anything about it. You know, you call them, tell them to tell this guy to knock it off, and they barely did anything. And I don't think they did much of anything. But I, I decided that was it. I'm moving. You know, if they're going to treat me this way, the apartment's going to treat me this way. I don't have to stay here. And because I didn't give them, you know, enough notice, you know, I knew they were going to take money out of my deposit. Fine, I don't care. Next day, I go walking. I like the neighborhood. I want to stay in the neighborhood. So I went walking to see... There are any apartments for rent, and there were nice little—I um, don't know what do you call it—triplex or three units 
you know, one unit in the front, and then there were two units stacked on each other, kind of in the back. And there was the the unit in the, the on, on in the back, and the bottom was was for rent. And I ended up getting the apartment, moved all my stuff over there, and I stayed there for about thirteen years. And finally, I met my wife. We got engaged, and we just needed more room. It was a very small apartment, and we needed more room, so. We ended up getting a two-bedroom apartment in Burbank, not too far away. And most of my stuff I needed to move, I could just move in boxes, and I did most of it myself. But there were a few pieces of big furniture I needed help with. And so I got a U-Haul and got some friends together, and uh, and we were going to move it. Now, when I first moved in there 13 years ago, the guy that who lived upstairs, really nice guy, um... And his name was Roland. And I always remember his name was Roland because he was a musician. And I always remember Roland Keyboards. That's how I could remember his name. Roland Keyboards, and he was a musician. Really nice guy. Um, his wife was in the Navy. And she was stationed on the East Coast. You know, we're in California on the West Coast. So he didn't, he never really saw his wife. I remember at the time when he told me this, I'm like, well, that's not too good. You know, she's on the East Coast and you're here. I don't think that's probably real good for your marriage. I was, that's what I was thinking. And it wasn't. And um, they got divorced. And he moved. And, you know, I felt bad. I This was a time when he moved. He, 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 he moved fairly soon after I moved in. You know, it must maybe a year or so. It wasn't a tremendously long time, but um, we were there for a while. But this was a time before Facebook. So, you know, when he moved... Um, I never kept up with him, but I always remembered him as, you know, being a really nice guy. And I felt bad that he got divorced and I always, you know, I thought of him. So 13 years later, after I moved in, I'm, I'm moving out and we're moving the big furniture out and I'm effectively gone. You know, I imagine I had the key for another couple of days, but I was effect I wasn't going to be living in that apartment anymore. That was it. I was leaving that day and was pretty much going to be gone. So me and my friends are moving the stuff out, and this car stops on the street in front of the apartment. And, you know, I look at it, and, and the guy driving the car, it was Roland. This was the first time I had seen him since he moved away. And he was there, but he wasn't alone. In the car with him were his two sons. He had gotten remarried, and he had two sons now. What are the odds that I would see this guy on the last day I was being going to be there? And I was moving. You know, easily could have been inside taking care of something for the move. Easily could have been at the other apartment. But I just happened to be out there at the same time that he had stopped. And he was showing his kids where he used to live. And here he was, you know, no longer divorced. He was remarried, two beautiful, you know, kids. And I was so happy for him. And I was at this stage in my life. You know, I just got engaged. Big things were happening for me. And, you know, sometimes you worry. Like, are you doing the right thing? Is this going to turn out okay? And to me, that was a sign from God that life's going to be okay. Things are going to turn out okay. Now, it could have just been a coincidence, but that's how I took it. Um, 
It doesn't happen every day, and like I said, you can write it off as a coincidence. I'm not the most religious person in the world. I don't cop to that. But you never know. <laughs> what do I know, right? Um, so who knows? Today could have been three little coincidences, or it could have been a sign of good things to come. But getting back to reality, uh, AMC is now at $40.68. So in pre-market, it's down a little bit. I don't know. Is that a good sign or a bad sign? It doesn't sound too good to me. So who knows what's going to happen today. It's been very hard. Um, there's been a lot of hype this weekend over these other stocks. Support, BBIG. And it's tempting. It's tempting, isn't it? I already bought GameStop. You know, can I hang in there? Just relax, you know. Even if I just put more cash in, I don't sell any AMC. I just hey, I just add some funds to my account and buy some of these new stocks just to kind of see how it goes. That's money that could have gone to AMC, right? And at what point did this become, like, I did a whole thing on, you know, is it a cult? At what point did trading become a cult? We're like, oh, you're not allowed to invest in anything else other than AMC. <laughs> you know, that's pretty crazy, too, you know. But I feel it. Um, and then also, it's also, it's like, hey, just, they're doing this on purpose. I have I purposely avoided Clove and all these other pump and dump stocks that have kind of come along. And I just stuck with the one that I knew, AMC. And yes, I added some GameStop recently, but they're they almost seem one and the same, to be honest with you. And they're they really are like brother sister, these two stocks, I think. A lot it's funny, a lot of GameStop people say AMC was the original distraction. <laughs> they they were the original, you know, stock that the hedgies were trying to get you to invest in instead of GameStop, so Anyway, uh, I'm sure it's probably distracting for you, too. Maybe you're in the same boat. But it is your money and your investments, and you can invest any way you like and do whatever you want with your money. But as for me, you know, as tempting as it was maybe to try to get some support, that got a little expensive. That went up. I think I might have missed that one. But BBIG, you know, that looked pretty tempting. It was like 7 bucks, and it had gone up to $7 in the aftermarket. The problem for me is I just, you know, I don't have the cash in the account. I would have had to have, you know, one thought would be, hey, cash out some AMC on, you know, Webull, because I can do, you know, pre-market on that. Use that money to buy BBIG and see what happens with it. And if I had done that, I probably, who knows, maybe I could have bought it seven in the high sevens, uh, maybe at $8, because this is $10 right now. Hey, I, I could have made money. Maybe I maybe later after I take my profits, I buy my AMC back. But the reality for me is this. I'm not a day trader. I don't know what I'm doing. I would have had to sat there and watch the stock all day and made the decision when to scalp it, take the profits, or whatever. That's not my play. My play is AMC and the mother of all short squeezes.
and maybe that will be the next episode of the AMC Stock Story.